0: Welcome to Leadership, the journey with no summit, with best-selling author and retired US Army Major General, Robert W. Mixon Jr. Best known for his ability to inspire audiences, motivate teams, build leaders, and create cultures of excellence, Robert shares effective values-based leadership strategies and tools your team can put into practice immediately that will fuel your company's lasting success. Now. Here is your host, Robert Mixon.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the uh, continuing series of of Level 5 Associates podcasts. And today's topic, we're gonna focus with uh, another distinguished leader here in the community on strategic leadership. And that individual is Mr. Sankar Siwanath, who is the president and CEO of CDS Life Transitions, a family of companies here, uh, headquartered in Webster, New York, but reaches all across Western New York uh, to help people fulfill their dreams who have some intellectual challenges. And uh, Sankar, I've had the privilege of knowing you now for about 10 years and, and working with you. I've really been impressed by your ability to lead a complex organization through some difficult times. And I know the times were even more difficult before you and I met in terms of growing this company and your personal journey where you came to America, uh, are basically fulfilling the American dream, and came from the very basic level of responsibility in this organization to become its, uh, its senior executive. And thanks so much for being here and, and joining me today.
2: Well, thank you, Robert. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, the feeling is mutual. We, uh, I've, uh, I've worked closely with you for the last 10 years, and uh, you're a man of uh, a lot of talent and integrity and um, i have really enjoyed our association with you and your wife as well Well, thanks so so thank
1: you thanks sankar uh today with our audience i'd like to basically pick your brain about the concept of strategic leadership and how that translates into the operational and tactical parts of leadership so that you can guide the enterprise but still be very much in touch with everyone on the team so the first question i'd like to ask is you know, how do you separate strategic thinking from the operational and tactical thinking as CEO?
2: No, that's a great question. Every organization that's effective and accomplishes its goals usually has a strategic plan. And so it has to engage in strategy, looking out on the horizon. So where it desires to be, whether it's a, a three-year period or five-year period, an even longer term, 10-year period, we at CDS, we tend to look at the three-year cycle for because in our business, uh, and because we uh, depend on um, federal government, state government for our funding, we have to look out about three years. Uh, and so when we look at strategy, we try to predict what the next three years are going to look like, looking at internally where we are as an organization, which you need the benchmark, where you are, and then looking at all the opportunities that are coming forward. So when you ask about strategic thinking uh, relative to operational thinking, they're really intertwined because the the strategic uh, direction usually drives where your operations are. And you never separate it because if you do, you could become um, disaligned or unaligned mm-hmm. at some point where mm-hmm. you are going in one direction and you've lost sight of what your strategy is, or you may have... Uh, challenges going on in your organization that cause you to take a a, a step aside. And so always on a daily basis, I keep as a CEO, I keep the strategy in place, what is our end goal? So for example, we are uh, moving into the managed care space for people with intellectual disabilities. We started up a a managed care organization for people who are non-disabled. We use it as an incubator uh, four years ago. We've now established a plan It's serving about 4,000 people in upstate New York in 22 counties. And so we said to ourselves, where do we want to be in the next three to five years? And so making an assumption for people with intellectual disabilities, how many of them will come into the marketplace? We have to do some things now. So operationally, we're aligning the organization by putting some infrastructure in place, personnel, information technology, um, building relationships with customers, providers, on um, getting the necessary licenses for the, the state of New York. We've put those on a project plan with deliverables, with target dates, and our people every day, they know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And so you always want to remind them when you meet, and you don't do that every day, but you remind them, here's our end goal, guys, and here's how we're performing against the
1: end goal. Okay. Does that nice. make sense? It does. Okay. You know, that connectivity, I think, is important. Absolutely. You've got to keep them distinct, but they have to be connected. Is that right? Okay. Well, thanks. Who were your senior executive role models as you moved through your career? What qualities did they have that you admired?
2: You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a great question. And you really think about the people that have really um, influenced you. One of the uh, the people that really impacted uh, my career is a, a gentleman by the name of Sylvester Zelensky. Yes. He used to, he used to be uh, the director of the local office of the state of New York, that um, directed the services for people with intellectual disabilities. And um, I got to know him. We actually, in a way, we we report to that office locally for the people with intellectual disabilities. And when things were really bad at CDS, he stood by me and he said, Sankar, I'll work with you together and we'll get the the organization out of the mess it's in. And he stayed true to his word. When he retired, I said, what are you going to do in retirement? And he said, I don't know. I said, well, how about joining our team at CDS? And he came here. And the thing that impressed me about Sai is that he wasn't um, just um, a good leader. He had uh, all of the things to back him up. He went mm-hmm. to school. Um, he, he was a, a really trained leader. He had a good way about him. You know, he listened first, listened to you really thoroughly. Um, you know, integrated what you were saying into his thinking. And then whenever he spoke, you always listen because he had something really good to say, and he wouldn't say it in just two sentences. He will break down what he's trying to tell you in its different parts. So you had a complete understanding and just had an approach that really taught me that, you know, you don't have to shoot from the hip. You really should really take time to listen to people and provide good advice. And 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 give good feedback when people talk to you. And as a leader, you want to be in that position of explaining things to your people constantly, because they may not realize what you're thinking and you're making assumptions. You know what that is. Yeah. You make sure. assumptions often, and then you're you're in a different plane than your staff. And so you you talk it through with them, and and you learn as they learn, and together you grow together. You know you grow together. As a team, so Cy was one of those. If you ask me, as I look back, the one person I always go back to, who, um, who influenced me, is one of the founding fathers of the United States of America, and that's George Washington, a man who uh, was running his farm, and um, had some skills, and they tapped him to build the army, to fight with the British,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and. Without any regard for himself, he put the country first and and he came came forward, stepped forward, didn't look for enumeration, he just wanted to do what was right for the country and for his fellow citizens. And when I look at what he sacrificed and I compare it to what we talk about these days, I think our modern day leaders don't even have a clue what it takes to lead. He truly sacrificed his like put himself in danger on a daily basis. And when things were really hard to keep that militia that turned into an army together, uh, just took, uh, you know, just a, a groundswell of energy and, and talent and conviction that he had, and he stayed true to it. I don't know that there's any other leader that I've come across that could measure up. We all strive be like George
1: Washington. Well, I think from what I understand, the more we know about him, the more remarkable he becomes in terms of who he was and what he represented. Yeah. You know, I recall there was a, a fellow
2: a journalist, um, I think it was a British journalist, that came in when they were in Valley Forge, when they had nothing to eat and, and the men didn't have any shoes, clothing. And he said, I came into the camp and I went to where the general was and his clothes were worn, but they were clean. And he sat there and there was a, he was so regal. In his presence, he, he, he said, I had goosebumps because here I was in the middle of this somewhat chaotic time. And here was this man who was who believed in himself and believed in the cause and believed in his men and he sat there so resolute that I could it, I couldn't shake it. Hmm. That's that's those are the kinds of things you think about. That you know, do you have that? And that's why you try to aspire to be better than yourself, where you are, in spite of your your limitations or inadequacies.
1: Okay, thanks. That's pretty pretty elegant description. Yeah. Uh, what about in your career, some mistakes you made? What are some of the strategic or operational mistakes that you made in your career? And what did you learn from them?
2: That's a great question. Another great question, Robert. You came uh, prepared with all the great questions. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks. But it, it, you know, sometimes they say that you're defined by your failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and any, um, any leader that has had much success, really on the other side, you've had equally the amount of failures. And for me, uh, If I look back in my career when CDS was in crisis, um, I brought in people into the organization and invariably some of them had to leave. And when I look back, I look at myself as a leader and you always question about yourself, your ability to leave when people leave. Why did they leave? Is it because I didn't provide something to them? Did I provide a good opportunity for them? And you always come back to at times that maybe I could have done that differently. So if you ask, when you're impacting people's lives, your employees lives, Mm -hmm. you take that seriously. And, and when I go back, when I look back at it, I I say to myself, you know, in a, in a few of those situations, I could have done it differently. I could have kept somebody here that I let go, Mm -hmm. but because of the, the situation, the way it was, um, I made some decisions and for that, you, you always leave with some regret. That, you know, maybe I could have done it differently. Business-wise, we got into a business called consolidation with the uh, U.S. military. We we entered into a contract with a prime vendor that, supro- that supplied the U.S. military with food products. And we were very diligent about it, but the financial model wasn't that great. But it did provide some jobs to our people. And... At the same time, we were going through some changes at CDS. We were embracing the managed care system. We were making some some redesign to our current system. And on top of that, I had the challenges with the consolidation business because we were um, doing business in Europe. They had different requirements. And in spite of our best efforts, we were still not meeting the mark. And there was a lot of stress in the organization. And after a year, I talked to the team I consulted with the board and I looked at the financials everything and you know me Robert I when yeah. I when I get into something I'm fully committed mm-hmm. I hate to give up on something and I had to make the decision to give. So we gave up the consolidation that contract we still do some consolidation but that contract we let go You asked me today about that decision I would tell you that it went against my core of how I believe in business, that once you get into a commitment, you stick with it. And I listened to my staff and the people around me, and we made a decision for the greater good. But in some ways, I will never lose that sense that we made a mistake, Mm -hmm. that we we could have kept that business. Because what it's done by giving that up, we pretty much have taken ourselves out of any major opportunity in that area. Mm-hmm. For the foreseeable future. So when you look at that, you could always go back and say, "Boy, we could have done it differently." But relative to the growth of the organization, no question we're in a better place as an organization. So, yes, it's one of those things I could have done, but I don't lose sleep over it. Okay. because in the greater in the greater scheme of things, the organization
1: has morphed to this two hundred and thirty million dollars organization. yeah, so, pretty remarkable, yeah. Remarkable, Sankar. But I think, from the standpoint of learning, yes, it's tough to learn from your failures because it, it's hard to admit them in the first place. And then when you have to confront them, you realize that the problem's probably in the mirror, you know. Yeah, <laughs> at exactly. least in my case.
2: Yeah, you know. And, and then you go back <laughs> to your staff six months later, and you say, and you say to them, "What yeah. do you think?" Because this has been gnawing at me. Yeah. and they go, "You know, Sankar, you're probably right. We should have stuck it out." And he said, "Okay, no worries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn from it. We learn. Next time, we're going to do better."
1: And that's more to me. That's much healthier than finding someone to blame, right? Per se, exactly. Uh, or beating yourself up every day. Right. You know, I think we just have to move on, right? And at the end of the day, if you're going to blame somebody, you're going to blame yourself. <laughs> that's
2: right, because <laughs> the buck stops with the CEO. Right. And yeah. you can't once you get the input from your staff, mm-hmm. and you pull the trigger. It's your call. It's not your staff's
1: call. Yep. So one of my old bosses say you can delegate authority, but not responsibility, not responsibility right? Exactly. Okay, well, thanks, Sankar. Are you a subscriber to the Ronald Reagan approach of trust but verify as an executive leader?
2: Yes, he, he said it pretty simply, you know, trust but verify, uh, the, the, I, I, I look at it this way, you really have to trust the people that work for you. There's, if you don't trust them, they shouldn't be in your organization. At the same time, when you give them responsibility, you have to hold them accountable. Okay. So there's an accountability process mm-hmm. that you have where you can say, yes, okay, um, I trust you. And people sometimes they don't understand that the word empowerment is used so loosely. I want to feel empowered. And I, I ask some staff when they say, I don't feel empowered. I say, please talk to me about that. What do you mean? Well, I can't make decisions. They don't. What kind of decisions do you want to make? What is your job? And then they get, they get flustered and they say, let's peel the onion here. Mm -hmm. Um, the way a person feels empowered is that you are hired for the right job. You've been trained, you've been observed to have demonstrated initiative, responsibility, and you deliver outcomes. And once you do that, then your organization can say, okay, you are now empowered to make decisions that we used to make before for you. That's when that happens. So it's that trust, but verified, but also you're moving your your person along to say, look, we trust you, but you have some growth. You have some learning. You do those things well, and at some point you're gonna be empowered and you can take responsibility. At the end of the day though, we're gonna hold you accountable for your job. And there's a way for us to hold you responsible.
1: So that empowerment is a a graduated process for you. Right. Trust is there, but the empowerment have to
2: earn it, right? And the mistake that people have is that you will have leaders that will say, I hired you, now I delegate you to do all these things. Uh And without any regard for the fact that the person is a new employee, they have to understand your culture, they have to understand their responsibilities, they need the training, they need for you to support them through time, coach, mentor, and then make that decision about empowerment later. You can't, the biggest disservice we do to our employees Uh is when we tell them, Look, I've hired you and now I'm empowering you to go do your job. There's no such thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think sometimes we promote people before they're prepared Absolutely. for that next level Absolutely. of responsibility? Yes,
2: and then some, that's a, that's one example. Another example is is promoting people when they've reached their capacity. Just because, for example, we have several layers of leadership in the organization. So you have a frontline leader who's doing his or her job and they do it so well, we make an assumption that that person wants leadership. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we put that person in a leadership role, person fails, person exits the organization. And so we've learned from that in the past is that, look, it has to be up to the employee what they would like in their career and in their life. And so you can be in a job, but sh- demonstrate to us that you want more and then we'll work with
1: you and, and, and have you succeed. And prepare them exactly. for success. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's one of the hallmarks that I noted about the CDS life transitions culture, was that you're focused so heavily on preparing leaders before they're in a position uh, and they have to do it. They need to learn about it first.
2: And, and, you know, people think it's a science, but it's really a mix of a science and art because Mm -hmm. you're dealing with people. And a person might um, tell you that I'm ready and they may show all the, the signs of being successful, and they get into the job and they're overwhelmed by it. And and that's why you really need to stay close to that person to give them that soft landing if it doesn't work. It's to say, look, we gave it a shot, mm. it didn't work. You don't want to get too far down the road where the person is having to exit the organization. I take that personally when my people who I've given promotional opportunities don't succeed and we have to ask them to leave. And I've said to my team, I said, shame on us for taking good people who have worked so well for us, promote them, and then have them struggle and then have to leave. Why did that happen? So we learn from our mistakes in this organization. And we try to do we have one of the lowest turnovers, you know, turnover rates in our industry. Because of that, is that I I say to the staff, you have to really demonstrate to me that this was this person's In spite of all the things you did to support them. And if you can't do that, then we won't let that person go and you'll have to live with it. And you're going to have to go back and work with that individual.
1: Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So, Sankar, what advice would you give aspiring leaders who dream of becoming executive leaders to help them prepare for that day?
2: uh, Here again, it's another great question we all face in the organization is that. Invariably, when I walk around the organization and I have conversations with the staff, every once in a while you have a staff staff who will say, Sir, I would like your job one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that great? Is that great? (laughs) You know, and then I'll say to them, So how are we going to get there? And they'll say, Well, I'd like, uh, you know, I'd like to do some things. And I say, What things? Let's talk about it. I said, If you ask me what I'd like to have you do is number one, be the best employee that you can right now be the best at it. What I mean by that is perform your duties well, take initiative, um, demonstrate that you can work with your peers, collaborate with each other, and drive your outcomes. For your current job, if you tell us that you want leadership role in the organization, move to the next level, there's so much opportunity here. We will put you on the path. And you tell us where you want to go. But at every level, we're going to evaluate your capacity. You're going to have to show us that you can do this uh, because it's not just the dream, right? It's how you build a dream and um, it's taking a step every day. And I always tell the staff, don't talk to me about the job. That's three layers off. Talk to me about how you're doing today. How, do, if I ask you how your, ste- how your supervisor feels about you, what do you say? If you can pick on your fingertips your accomplishments for the last year, what are they, right? What what deliverables do you have for the organization? Mm -hmm, How have you grown as a person and as a professional? You need to be able to articulate that every step of the way. And when you do that, you will find yourself moving through the organization and be given all kinds of opportunities. You do your job well, and you won't have to find us. We'll find you. Because so, people will talk about you, you, will be, say, yes. in the you organization. will be noticed. You'll be noticed, right? You'll be noticed in the organization. Then word gets round. That's right. And, and that, we will prepare you. We will invest in you. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few organizations here that that not only give you um, incentives for being safe in the organization, being healthy, but for going to school. You want to go to school? We'll help you with your tuition. Then you get back, and we will. We will tell you that, uh, for example, Robert, uh, the leadership development program you help us with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We tell staff, you go through that class, and in six months we're going to find you a promotional opportunity. If we don't, we're going to give you a five percent increase to your salary anyway, to show good faith to the employees. And so that's you know that's what's made the organization what it is today,
1: it's because we know who our biggest resource is. It's our employees. Well, that's an excellent point, too, Sankar. You know, the development of people is a priority. Right. Obviously, it seems for you as an executive leader. Absolutely. And, you know, every day when you when you come in, in my experience with you, you've always been somebody who was thinking about people right. and developing people, even though there and are short-term. and yeah. You know me. It's, sometimes <laughs> it's a tough meeting with well, Sankar, yes. but, yeah. right?
2: Uh, yeah. But it's done. With the perspective that I want you to learn and grow, mm-hmm. and I want you to ask those questions that you could that are going to make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's going to make you a better person in the end.
1: Yeah, it's a journey of maturity too, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you think, as a leader? Absolutely. You know, you know, and 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 the
2: staff too—they take it so personally when I challenge them, and then they make the mistake of taking it so personally that that it hurts them. And I have had to remember, as 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 the executive leader, to go back to that staff circle back and say, you know, I challenged you in that meeting. How do you feel? Well, I was feeling like you really had me on the mat. And I said, please don't take that personally. It was there to help you. If you, if I didn't think you were doing a good job, you wouldn't be in this organization. Right? So when I give you feedback, it's to make you a better person.
1: So let's keep that simple. Great, great point, Sankara. What, you know, finally, what, what other thoughts do you have about your journey and um, what it's meant to you to be a part of a vibrant organization now that cds live transitions represents from a point in time where you were really the organization was on the brink of failure yeah. well you know robert you uh,
2: uh, the word i use frequently nowadays that there's humility is necessary right um, you don't take things for granted you you, you are given these opportunities um, in your life, uh, who would have thought that a young man from a third world country would come over here and uh, the force of his energy and his focus would build a life for himself without much around him to support him. And then to come into CDS and be in the organization for 10 years and see a leadership that was just floundering and lost the way and then to be able to get the opportunity to run it and felt so inadequate. But just again, by the force of my, you know, my, just my being uh, somebody who wants to succeed and who appreciates being given the opportunity to, to, and also I've always said, I am not the brightest guy in the room, but I know how to get things done. I know how to get people to believe in the mission, to attach themselves to it. And help me, and that's been my the success because I've looked for other people to help me, um, and and uh, the organization has grown. And the credit to all the people around me because I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger.
1: Well, thanks very much, Sankar, for sharing your thoughts on leadership today and on strategic leadership, but also on the framework of building a world class culture. Because I think that's what we've been talking about today. I've certainly learned. A lot, and I would say to uh, to our audience that you know the opportunities to learn from people like Sankar uh, should never take them for granted because uh, many of us have been fortunate to be around people who have this level of character, and, and uh, I thank you for that. And I will say that uh, as we go forward in our journey, Sankar, I look forward to more opportunities to learn from you. Uh, we'll certainly have some other executives on the Level 5 podcast to share their experiences, because I think to our audience of leaders who are seeking to grow, uh, those shared experiences are tremendously valuable. So thanks again, Sankar, and I wish you all the best. Well,
2: thank you, Robert, and thank you for doing this, because I think it's so needed uh, in, in the business community to to constantly be giving our leaders things to think about. And and, and this is
1: just a great um, to do it. Okay. Thank thank you. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you for listening to Leadership, the journey with no summit. Visit us at level5associates.com for more information on how to become a values-based leader, creating a culture of excellence. Got questions? Email Robert directly at robert at level5associates.com.